All right, man, roll us in. Coming to you live Friday, November 3rd from the middle of nowhere. I ran out. <laughs> that was a good. I wasn't very prepared for that intro. You made it a good. That was a good <laughs> sentence and a half, though. That was really I'm good. I'm working on my voice acting skills so I can start announcing races and stuff. Oh, dude, for sure. Yeah, we are. We're coming to you live. This is a creative writing episode. You know what episode it is? 98? Yep. Yeah. God, you're on top of things. Because I actually listen to hey, our show. We can't. Listen. That banging that you guys can all hear is the dog's tail. She's keeping beat. She's counting off seconds for the show so that we know how long we had to spend on each segment. We can't afford a clock, so we got a dog <laughs> to wag her tail. She'll let us know when this segment's up. Yeah, so this is episode 98. Maybe we should call this the shit show because this is starting out good already. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles, mayhem, and misinformation. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, but they don't want to be an asshole? You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new new ways kit my... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. I have to stop talking shit. All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. All right, technically all chaps are asses, right? Look at that passport. It's a number. You never know if you don't try. (laughs) All right, guys, this is episode 98. And as Chris pointed out, we never will know until we try. I don't know if we got that recorded or not, but here's the deal. Episode 98 going in the books hot. Uh, By the time you guys hear this, we're going to be... I'm going to be balls deep in uh, Twisted Throttles, and Chris is going to be... I'm not going to try and get that deep. (laughs) He's going to be ankle deep in Twisted Throttles. (laughs) But yeah, man, Twisted Throttles, uh, we're at it right now. It's awesome. (laughs) What can you say? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I hope you're here. Uh, Twisted Throttles is going to be awesome. Obviously, we're we're time travelers, so we can can tell you how awesome it is right now being here. Recording this a few days early. So listen up, everybody. Uh, Last week, thank you so much, everybody, for the Spooky Spoke submissions. Last week was so rad recording again with Chris. When I asked you, yeah, that was spooky, right? Because we hadn't even, I hadn't loaded all the stuff for you to hear. What did you think of the uh, Spooky Spokes? I liked it. It was good. Yeah. I liked uh, Nitrous Chris. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn, that guy. KTM Duke. God dang. He came face-to-face with the Beast of Bray Road and made it out alive. I like Uh, his, his video. Oh, he was, uh, he's one of the only people to ever come face-to-face with that thing and uh, live to tell the tale. Um, I really dug Lance. Um, his, uh, hey, do you mind if I kill this? And no, we'll come back to it. another one. Totally fine. Uh, Lance and his spooky spoke from Canada, that was pretty sweet too. And he actually sounds a lot like Nitrous Chris, which is kind of funny. I thought yeah. they, they have similar voice patterns. But yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, we had tales of people that were like in groups like yours, which is like tragic and spooky, like just those weird feelings you were describing. And then him like being out alone and seeing a weird thing. I don't know. It was just, it was cool. I like, I love spooky spokes. It's going to be like my favorite time of time of year. So I did notice that there was a lot of uh, similarities with a lot of the experiences where it wasn't like, like with mine, it wasn't the tragic stuff. It was like the weird feelings and like the weird like things that happened. And a lot of people had that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You get it's it's funny because like I think that everybody kind of interprets the same thing in different ways and I think that's definitely one of those things that like when you're out doing some crazy ride or something like that and you start to feel the heebie-jeebies like either it's the Bray Road thing trying to get your squatch stick or it's just like the universe telling you, "Hey, look out cuz you're about to get creamed." And uh Dave Shoup, the late entry, also his guys was the same sort of thing, not necessarily tragedy right there in the moment, but the dudes that he was hanging out with uh, the next or later that day or whatever ended up getting creamed by a semi. So that is kind of, it's always sad losing a, losing a rider. Do you think next year Chris will take two beef sticks and then he'll just hang out with Dude, Sasquatch? Listen, I think next year, he Chris is a pretty big chicken. I think next year he'll take <laughs> two beef sticks. He'll throw one and run with the other because I know he's not one to let go of a beef stick either. Yeah. <laughs> I heard him, you could hear him wrestling in the bushes in that one. That was pretty pretty hardcore. So yeah, thanks everybody for the submissions, and I can't wait for next year. Can't wait for the um, Solstice Slam too. So never, never uh, quite as spooky as Spooky Spokes, but always just as trippy. Um, so hey man, we're gonna get into the Motor Challenge tonight, and I'm totally unprepared. I hope Chris, uh, we're gonna give him a point, I guess, this week because I'm like so unprepared. But uh, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up um, and some of the stuff that's transpired. Uh, a lot of people have already been talking about the Tokyo Motor Show on a couple other uh, podcasts and stuff that have already come out this week, but uh, I kind of didn't want to rehash down the same stuff they were talking about, um, but there are a few things that came out that are pretty trippy. First of all, Chris called it a few weeks ago with a Honda Goldwing. Man, spot on. You called. You said they're going to redo like a... A boxer. That was our word of the week. <laughs> yeah. And uh sounds like though something that did take me by surprise. They're doing two transmission options. Yeah, the DCT and a six speed manual. And I a think six the DCT speed. was seven speed. Seven right? speeds, yeah. And uh I think you called the front end too. I said you're like, you know, I don't you said I don't think they'll do Earls, I don't think they'll do hub center steering, I think they'll do this dual telelever. And they did, you know. So I was like, Which wow. Which is also cool because it's man. Honda, especially lately, I feel like they're they're one extreme or the other. Like I feel like their production bikes are sorry, Honda, you're one of my favorite brands, but your bikes are boring. <laughs> I mean, face it, CB thousand, CBR one thousand is boring. Your CB uh, kind of retro bikes stop adding a hundred pounds and losing fifty horsepower off a of CBR. <laughs> like you can build a naked bike without it sucking. But the Goldwing, I have to say, like. <laughs> The front end is super cool. I, I'm super glad that they did that because one, like this model has potential to run for 20 years. Like the last one did, it went 17 years. Yeah. So it's got potential to run 15 to 20 years and why not be as Goldwings usually are ahead of the curve. And I have to say like, it looks like a Goldwing, but the styling looks good. Like they up, they updated it and it, it I wasn't sure what they were going to do because how do you take a bike, even though, again, that's almost 20 years old, that was ahead of its time 20 years ago and is still kind of leading its category now, how do you make it better? Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty stoked with what they did. Yeah, and I'm glad I didn't write any notes because I knew you'd have something to say about it. And here's <laughs> here's what I think, too. Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm you know I'm glad because I, I was just going to blab off some random like stats, and I was like, no, I know I know Crystal has some insight into this thing as as much as like you know who cares about the stats really that that's all available online. And uh, one of the things I noticed um, between the 
now Honda Goldwing, which really is, yeah, like you said, the, the, with the revamp styling and this new front end, nobody has complained about BMW front ends that have been using this since like 20, oh, 2000, like 11 or 2009. Like they've been running almost 10 years on theirs and all they get is praise for how much um, control and, and, and there's like no real uh, deflection in the steering and all this crazy stuff. I think maintenance too. You pull a shock out. I mean, yeah. it's it's cheaper and easier to maintain. It's yeah. it's more like your suspension component. The shock is more yeah. protected. Like it's, I I think it's really good overall. And again, like riding, I've ridden, I put a decent amount of miles on an eighteen hundred, and they ride really really well. So they yeah, and you, on it. you got to know with this new motor that they have probably even uh, made it even more you know smooth and and more. Reliable. There's a couple things I read about the motor that, uh, you know, not a lot of people have got to test ride them yet. So um, that'll be coming out, I'm sure, pretty soon. But that is, yeah, that um, and the new seven speed tranny. I mean, we're, we're moving into like what BMW luxury cars had a few years ago. And also, from what I understand, a lot of the newer, bigger bikes like that are coming with like Apple iCar CarPlay, iCarPlay. Okay. I don't know exactly what it's called because I'm like, you know, the bikes I ride don't even have like ABS, <laughs> so I'm yeah, not I'm not up on, I'm not up on the current technology. Yeah. But it has like all this integrated stuff, and and I know the Harleys have been moving that way with their infotainment more than just like a readout. Um, and BMW is coming up with that stuff too. And one thing when you mentioned the styling and how this bike could go for another twenty years now, I noticed that since Victory has been defunct, um, it kind of seems like Harley ran with the segment of the market that nobody else can capitalize on, which is like their heritage style baggers, you know, and their classic style baggers. Mm -hmm. And now that victory is gone and nobody's in that sport cruiser market, I feel like if you look at the new Yamaha, um, you know, the Eluder and the, uh, the star, uh, the star, God, what the hell is it called? The star. Is it a venture? It, I, it might be called the venture. Yeah. The star venture. You know, for two guys with a motorcycle podcast, you would think we would know some of that. <laughs> Dude, and I, I looked at this stuff too. And it's like <laughs> all these names you can remember. Uh, when you when you try to remember every single motorcycle uh, make and model in the universe, you can't. Right. I don't. I don't have the. Capacity. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. But yeah, when you look at the the uh, the, the Yamaha Yamahas yarr, and the F six B. Well, not the F6B. They don't have the F6B anymore. The new Goldwing is... But they do have two models. They have a... Yeah. I don't remember what they call them, but they basically yeah. have an F6B <laughs> and a Goldwing again. Yeah. The, the regular Goldwing is the F6B one. And then the Goldwing Tour, I believe they're calling yes. it, is the one that has like the be, you know the, the top the case bag, and all that yeah. stuff, right? And so, yeah. And, and if you look at the styling, it's a little more sporty and it reminds me of the BMW K1600B and the yeah. K1600GTs, which reminds me of the Yamahas. And except for Kawasaki with their big old Vaqueros, those still kind of have like a traditional round kind of organic look like the Harleys do. But even some of the Harleys are kind of getting more sporty. And it's like without victory now with their like cutting edge, like angular lines, that's who's, uh, I was always wondering what's going to happen to the competition, like what's going to happen to the sport cruiser now that victory has gone. And it kind of seems like these guys are filling that niche because Harley's got the other one on lockdown. So I, I agree with you that it's like a bike that will definitely, uh, they can they can upgrade to the airbag when they get the thing figured out, you know, and they can upgrade all the navy and all the safety stuff as it's coming out, which is 
actually rolling into bikes pretty soon, actually. But all that stuff can come on board and it'll still be relevant because that platform is bitching. And like you said earlier, that shock zero maintenance, that's why the BMWs have such good uh, ride ratings. And mm-hmm. on those particular ones that use those front ends, yeah, there's no, there's like the oil is basically there just to provide damping. And some of them don't even have oil. They just have like rubber spacers. And so it's literally just a shock that you have to replace. And once every 15 years, the bushings maybe. So yeah, it's really a sick platform, I think for that. I think they, I think they missed it a little bit with having the touring and having the, the two bag model. Um, and that would be to me would be a quick detached third bag. And I'm sure some aftermarket company will make an ugly, pimple that you can put as a third bag on the back if you get a regular <laughs> Goldwing. But I think Honda missed the boat there with, because to me, and maybe it's me, but I, I like having versatile stuff. Like I'm an idiot and I race my Harleys on road courses and flat tracks, but I like having bikes that can do a little bit of everything. That said, I don't have an adventure bike, so yeah. sorry. But um, I got us uh, two Honda baggers to take to the track next week. So we're oh, going to. I'd probably be boned <laughs> with my Dyna if I had a Goldwing out there. I've uh, seen Goldwings on tracks. They're not a slouch. And I've ridden them through the canyons. They do really well. Yeah. Uh, you were telling us, I don't remember if we did if it made it to air, but you were mentioning, uh, I don't think it did. I think we had to cut it for time. But uh, one of the other episodes when you were talking about that dude on the tail of the dragon that yeah. has his Goldwing that he, you know, he'll video. And if you can get away from him, he'll give it to you for free. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's just what you're used to riding. I swear there was a detachable bag option. That might be a detached bag. Yeah. Look at the line underneath it. It's not molded in like the old one. Yeah. So since you guys are all on the Honda website, like we are right now, you can see this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Junkie Turdman. (laughs) Turdman pulled up some photos of the new Goldwing and, uh, it looks like the third bag might detach. So if it does, sorry, Honda. Yeah, your, I th- your CBR still bores me. Yeah, I was I read somewhere that there was like a whole bunch of new accessories, which they really never had before. But yeah, I read that they had a whole bunch of new ones on here. I don't really see the more I don't. You know, the wheels look good this. too, and I have to say, like Honda's usually behind with that. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like the CBR was the last bike to get away from those disgusting three spoke wheels. <laughs> um, <laughs> Honda, if you knew how much I loved you. You, you wouldn't be so disappointed about all the negativity right now. I know. It, you know what's funny about that, too, is I, I went back and listened to a bunch of uh, episodes a while back, and I bagged on Harley. It's like everything in the news that came out, everybody loves to talk about how bad they're doing. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> I like America. You know, I want American brand to do good. And yeah. I, I, that's why I was just listening to the episode from a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about how they're going to Thailand maybe not be such a bad thing because it'll... Well, and like when they went to India, everyone made a big deal about Harley going to India, but go to a dealership and buy a bike made in India. They didn't go to India for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they not- went to India so they could sell bikes in India. Yeah. There's a market. Well, the population of India is like quadruple and, and they don't view bikes like luxury items like we do here. They use, you know, they'll, they'll stack a whole Except family on Harleys. Them. Those are actually like okay. a super luxury item. Well, because they're. A little more expensive than the 125 Bajajes yeah. or whatever. But the you're right. They and they, a lot of families, they have a motorcycle, and that's how the whole family yeah. goes places. Dude, I've seen cows on the back of motorcycles. <laughs> well, that's what Liza was just talking about in, in Pakistan on oh, her right, trip. Right. They were like, this new model 
probably isn't going to sell very well because you can't fit a kid on the gas tank. Yeah. They think of shit like that, dude. It's yeah. it's rad. And it's even funny looking in, uh, you know, Harley part catalogs and seeing a sari guard and you're like, what the hell is this? And you look it up and a sari is the long scarf that women ride. So that's mandatory. Otherwise you're getting, you're getting decapitated if that thing gets caught up in the belt, you know, or in the chain. So I'm not going to lie though. I've ridden on a gas tank when I was a little kid. <laughs> hey dude, we all did when we were little kids. No helmet. <laughs> no, I always grew up. My dad always made me wear a helmet. Oh, he always wore a helmet too. Um, he was a racer. He was never like a Harley guy. Like in Indiana, you still don't have to wear a helmet. Like my mom and her husband don't wear helmets. And my dad just always been a helmet guy. And, uh, I've been on a, I, I went to Sturgis when I first moved to California and I rode with my mom and her husband and I, uh, took my helmet off. And then uh, the, next, what you, the or, next, the next stop, I was like, give me my helmet back. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't care how cool you think it is. I don't think it's cool and it doesn't feel good. And yeah. I want my helmet. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, man, I, even like riding down the street, like that's when stupid shit happens. Like that's, that's when like you hit a freaking wet oily spot in the road and like have your cruiser fall on your neck or something. Um, to end the Goldwing segment, someone at Honda hit us up so we can go ride some. Yeah. And pay us a month and we'll go to Portland, Maine and back. Yeah. Listen for reals. <laughs> I, I haven't even talked to Chris about this episode, what, uh, what transpired this week, and, and he's already mentioning it. Um, so, yeah, so the Tokyo Motor Show, it concludes on November 5th, and so I'm not sure if we might see another bike come out of this or uh, any more announcements. Do they wait till the end of release? or? You know what? I'm pretty sure that they've done all of their goods here in the beginning because um, actually, you know, Honda announced the 24th, which is a little bit before the show started. Um, and so I think it started the 25th or 26th. So they kind of, you know, jumped the gun. Harley, of course, always announces at their dealer shows. And uh, yeah. most of the other guys, I mean, ICMA is coming up pretty soon, which we're going to get into in a minute. Um, but so this is kind of the Tokyo Motor Show. It's funny because Honda is one of the like premier companies that like helps make japan what it is and when you think of the japanese auto industry and and motorcycle industry you think of honda and so i think it was important for them to announce there but some of the other people that announced there didn't really uh i mean i think they're kind of like waiting for eikma but we'll see um yamaha they had their uh motoroid which was kind of their new did you have you seen this at all the motoroid thing i don't think so i saw the Nikon. Yeah. Okay. So the Motoroid is like basically their condo concept, which condo K A N D O. It means like I forget exactly verbatim what it means, but it's like the the feeling of excitement and something new coming at you at the same time. Kind of like they have umami. They have all these like every language has one word that means like many words in English. We're the only language that doesn't have like one of those cool words, uh, except for nar nar. <laughs> but their their new. Um, Motoroid concept was part of this condo thing, and it's like the bike is one is it kind of to me it seems like it's copying that Honda that debuted like uh, I think it was about a year ago was it or maybe not even that long ago the one that like balances it mm-hmm, the self balancing wow. and it's self balancing and it and it it has a camera like a couple cameras and it respond you teach it like you get it and you become one with the bike you teach it by hand signals to recon- it recognizes your face it comes to you it can park itself and come back and you can summon it from the garage with some sort of like. Hmm. thing i'm sure there has to be some sort of like fob or something that it sees on you because it can't just like that sounds cool but the first thing that comes to mind for me is like 
if it does all that, then I want to lay in it and take a nap when it gets yeah. home. Like I don't want to ride it home. I want to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and, and that's the thing is the, the wave of the future is, uh, I announced this a year, almost exactly one year ago today when the BMW had their concept 100 release here is that bikes are supposedly going to be self-driving in the future to some degree. And this thing totally is it's self-balancing and anything that's self-balancing and can like move when you tell it to can obviously ride itself. So yeah, it can ride you and it showed the guy sitting on it and it was backing up and going forward. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it maybe if you're, if you're small or you don't want to put your feet down or you can't put your feet down and you, you, can't back your bike up like it's back and i was doing all this crazy great stuff but it was electric which is kind of weird and i know it's just a concept right now and all this crazy stuff to me says it can go wrong something can go wrong you know what i mean yeah you know i had a conversation a little while ago about um ai cars yeah and uh the thing is they just saw a processor too for like an ar car and it can process like so many million times faster but the thing that they don't know yet, and I also happen to believe that if enough vehicles were AI, it would help eliminate accidents. Like you wouldn't have an accident because yeah. the processing speed is so fast. Right. But so on one hand, it's like super cool to see this technology, but where one of the places are held up right now is like if the car was in a situation with you in it on whether it hits a semi or hits a, a another car with a family in it, like the car cannot make that decision yeah. on who ha- who lives and who dies. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things they're I mean, working it, on it in AI can, right now. It can make yeah. that decision, but then someone can be sued because it's not an accident. Like it had to be pre-programmed in, like in that situation. So I get that like that's holding them up. But I, I do think that, you know, with AI and with satellites and with like why is if there's a hundred AI cars on a road with 200 regular cars wouldn't they know what other cars are ai what cars are not and kind of give themselves room and kind of like know what's going on you would happen i mean you would think like the processing speed is so much quicker than what we can do so right it's i feel like it's definitely happening like it's really not a joke like why can't i get dressed in the morning go out to my ai car like lay down in this thing that's like two feet tall cruise to work like half asleep right or whatever or and get to work and like park it on a shelf and <laughs> let it charge and go back home like it's definitely like happening like there's it's going to change and i think it's cool that they are spending some time and effort on bikes that balance or bikes that do whatever like yeah you know and again you, you have to think globally like in a place like japan Cars are little cars are really big, so motorcycles save space. Yeah. And in Japan, this sort of stuff has actually been going on since like the 90s to some degree. Like, do the Roombas and stuff that we have mm-hmm. here are like old 80s toys? My friend from Japan in 1990 had all these gadgets that he brought from Japan that I was like, holy shit, it was like looking into the future. And mm-hmm. they that was like stuff they already had then. And we mm-hmm. still, we never got it here because our market didn't need the demand or whatever. And so some of this stuff that I know, if you, and if you watch Japan anime as a kid, like I did, like all this stuff was, uh, yeah, it's funny how it's like, you can look at it yeah. and tell it's like totally animated. Yeah. And then like, so the part I didn't get too is that you sit in this thing and this comes down onto your back. So you, that I was like, why yeah, would like you, holds you in a tuck position? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be able to 
fall off of this thing. Like if it goes down, you're stuck with it. And uh, I could see that going bad. But it's also got haptic inputs, which is a haptic is either like it's a sensory thing, basically. So like when your phone vibrates in your pocket and you know you got a text or like the little things on the cars now, like if the mirror lights up, the uh, uh, anything that's a sensory input that's not like, uh, hey, you're blah, blah, you know, like a, a verbal thing to you is like a haptic. So it's got all these little haptic things all over the bike. So you feel what's going on. And if you listen, go back way to episode four of our show. Um, I you started deleted that one yet? No, I deleted <laughs> the first three because people were complaining. But um, but episode four was the uh, CITS, which I thought was important, and I wanted revisit because in the two short years since I made that episode, they've already come so far, and we're already talking like we weren't even talking about self driving cars seriously back then. I mean, people were, but the public didn't believe it. And mm-hmm. now it's like, holy crap, all this stuff is coming with it. And I talked a little bit about haptic devices then and V2V communication. And what you were saying about cars knowing what car, definitely they will. Cars cars are already talking to each other mm-hmm. and they're putting infrastructure so they can talk to infrastructure. And in the show notes for that episode, I actually have uh, a video that Toyota made. Now, SITS is like the common thing. It's Cooperative Intelligent Transportation Systems. And all over Europe, they already use them. But Toyota had Toyota Intelligent Transportation System. And I was cracking up because it just says tits across the top of their like <laughs> corporate video. I was like, oh, those guys. Like, oh, something was lost in translation. Yeah, huh? super lost in translation there. But it shows you perfectly how there can be a building in the way and a car is coming and you don't see it, but the cars know each other's there. So it won't yeah. let you. So, yeah, this stuff's coming on board. And all the stuff that's coming out in, in Tokyo this year that's kind of like this stuff is still way off. But it shows you that they have it right now and they're doing it. Um, the same thing with the Motobot. I just listened to uh, the Two Enthusiasts podcast. And when Yamaha's Motobot came out, I want to say it was like two years ago as well. Do you remember that mm-hmm. uh, being news at all? They developed a robot. If it didn't play an instrument like Honda, no one cared. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> they um, they basically had this little robot that was going to ride a motorcycle, and, he, and the little video said, "I want to beat I you, Valentino Rossi." Yeah, like, maybe yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, because that was like the only thing. It was like, okay, well, apparently they have uh, done it, and there's version two now, and um, so the motorcycles. A normal gasoline with non this little AI motorcycle. Tech, I, I suppose the, so. The little robot is purely driving it. Yeah, That's yeah. That's kind of neat, also. Yeah. Like, because the, what might be cool about something like that, going back to like the self driving cars, like not everyone's going to be able to go buy a new car. Yeah. Um. So maybe I can keep my truck and buy a robot to drive me to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh robot butler from yeah, uh yeah. I don't think I don't want to let my robot drive my Plymouth, but no because that's all the fun in driving. Well dude, why don't they just make Asimo right now? Asimo can do all sorts of stuff. You could just have him drive your car to work. Um he's a little short. He might need like uh phone books. And they don't make phone books anymore, so there you go. If you can't use him, can't use that technology. Uh, but he can have foot extensions. I'm sure that's yeah. an easy it's an easy upgrade. Huh? They can't they can't, you know, but strap I mean, in a two by four. Like, those robots could be in tune to the self-driving cars that are around too. Right. So, I mean, it could be a like a stepping stone on the way. So, right. And a lot of people were saying, "Well, what's this? What's a driving robot going to be able to do? Like, what the hell is that even? Or a riding robot? Like, what is that going to prove?" And I guess what the guys on Asphalt and Rubber were saying is that, uh, or the Two Enthusiasts podcast rather, was that um, they think that it might be 
you know, a human, as you're riding a motorcycle, it's like bowling. If you were, if you could throw the ball like a computer every single time, you'd bowl a 300 every single time you bowled. But mm-hmm. since you're a human, you can't 100% of the time, whether it's due to like muscle fatigue or, or the lane waxiness change and your brain doesn't compensate for it. But a computer can do the same thing over and over and over and over and take input from the bike. And they were saying that if a computer can learn what things is making the bike handle in a specific way, and then as the tire wear goes on or as the gas starts to run out and the, and the weight shifts, the computer can compensate for that. They can come back and tell people how to change their riding style. And, and it's like what's so crazy about like Formula One develop and, and, and before I got off topic there and use those inputs to help make better motorcycles, faster motorcycles and fine tune the stuff where like a human, you could get me and you ride the same bike and we give totally different inputs. And yeah. I think racing sees, you see that in racing where one bike is set up. You mentioned it a couple episodes ago, Rossi and Hayden, yeah. same bike, totally different setup. And it would be neat to see like with that kind of technology. And I'm sure they have it to a point on the bikes, but your driver doesn't know, or your rider on a bike doesn't know like your G force in a corner. So it's like you're going into this corner and you're totally going off muscle memory and feel and your ability and comfort level of how far can I lean over or in an F1 car, like how hard can I drive into this corner and have the tires stick where that robot knows. Yeah. And hell, you like, you know, maybe the way you, you, maybe what you ate or how hydrated you are plays mm-hmm. into the way you're, uh, you're, your feeling and the way your sensory organs are are perceiving everything that's going around you. Well, these robots don't. None of that shit matters. They just perceive the same thing. So what they were saying is that maybe they can fine-tune it. Now get to back to the F1 thing. That's what they were saying in F1 development. This is like where the side of racing becomes so important for street cars is because mm-hmm. some of the technology would have never made it to an automobile period if they hadn't tried it to the maximum extreme on a race course. So the Motobot, actually version 2, I from what uh, they were saying is that it sounds like they already went head to head with Rossi, not at the same time, but they compared lap times and they've got some input on that. So it's really interesting to hear for me what the, uh, what the little crazy robot and will do and to see, they were saying like, you know, if Rossi decides to stick around and keep riding what he can learn from the feedback that this motobot thing's given him. So I think that is pretty interesting. I think like having said all that too, I am definitely a, a supporter of taking traction control off, taking ABS off, taking the GPS system stuff off, letting the riders ride a pure motorcycle. Like, you know, I know F1 has had a lot of debate about some of that. I'm not sure what all they got rid of and kept, but make the racing kind of pure again. But it would actually be, you know, as someone, as I think a lot of people are Rossi fans, it would be super cool to see someone like Rossi and then Marquez lose all of his handicaps. Right. Because, like, don't get me wrong. I think Marquez is one hell of a rider, but has he ever ridden a motorcycle without a lot of that stuff? And I think Rossi, you know, he was around and helped develop a lot of it, but it would be pretty neat to see how that might kind of change what's going on. But Yeah, that's one thing that they were saying, too, with Rossi. He's ridden, like, three different t- styles. He's ridden the two strokes. He's mm-hmm. ridden... The like first gen like modern MotoGP bikes, you know, let's say like two thousand what two thousand like two thousand or two thousand one okay. somewhere, somewhere around there, there to like two thousand nine, and then he's ridden this last generation that's getting crazy, like you know all the IMUs and everything in mm-hmm. it, 
And of all the people he's had to change his style the most were these younger guys that have come in like Marquez was only like 2013 or 14. He was coming in and win this stuff is like extant. And he learned to ride on one of those bikes. Boom. He's never not ridden a bike that except for maybe his uh, flat tracker and stuff. But that's like a little different. You know, he's never ridden in competition on a bike that doesn't do all this stuff for him. Supposedly they have like GPS and the bike knows what corner it's going into on what track and their rider can squeeze the brake as hard as they can. It It's not going to lock. Like it knows how much force to put on the brake going into that corner at that speed and the bike kind of does all that for them. And then they've got slipper clutches so they can just bang down three gears. It's not going to wheel hop. And then they've got traction control so they just open the throttle all the way back up and it comes out of the corner as hard as it will. Right. Um, based on previous calculations and all that. I mean, yeah, right? yeah. Sensors and everything like that. So it's, so Motobot might be contributing to that for the general public in the future. Then it, but you'll have to have the whole world mapped and you'll have to have, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, it, they can do it though. If you go back and listen to episode four, I talk about Waze and how Waze is a shared yeah. app that shares data back to people that transmits it to the new people coming into that zone. So same sort of thing. You, it might take, an average of the people who've hit it the fastest and the people who've hit it the slowest and seen who's crashed and say, Hey man, listen, this is, this is the limit you can go. But I think too, there's, um, with motorcycles, there's a, like a purest level of, do you want all those assists? Like I know when I bought my FZ09, like it was a big complaint. Guys are like, Oh, it doesn't come with this. It doesn't come with that. It doesn't come with this. And everyone's like, like nine grand out the door yeah (laughs) but i mean like for myself when i go to a track you know i'll use my ducati as as the example because it's the bike that to me pushes me more but like a slipper clutch would be nice because i hate wheel hop and it'd be nice to be able to get into a corner a little bit harder but (laughs) a little chattering on the tire yeah but i mean honestly like if i I, like i have to control the brakes and i have to be smooth on the even though that one doesn't make a ton of power i still have to be smooth on the throttle like it's my input. I'm going out and seeing how well and how fast I can go around the track. If the bike did all that for me, you know, if I was on a new, I think the S1000 Beamer does it. I'm sure CBRs and all that. They have the slippers. They have the ABS. They have the traction control. Yeah. And the new Kawis are all coming with that. I mean, everything yeah. has a slip assist clutch so, on it now. you know, if I just throw down two or three gears and just let it like slip the clutch into the corner and then I just open the throttle like... Uh, to me, the bike's doing too no much for you. <laughs> um, you know, it, I mean, if you're racing and you want to win races, like you want everything you are allowed to have to go win those races. Yeah. And that's an, that's something where you're like probably changing out every almost stock thing anyway. Yeah. yeah. But if you're like, if you're going to the track and you're in your mid thirties, like you're going to better yourself as a rider and to see what you can do as a rider. You don't need like, yeah, good suspension's good and you're going to buy good tires, but you don't want the bike to take care of stuff for you. Like, yeah, you don't want to buy your way around a track. Like you want to go out and you want to ride your way around the track to your ability. At least that's my take on it. Maybe. Yeah. And I I don't want to bash on any of this new stuff, especially the new technology, because because once you go forward, you can't really go backwards and expect people to want to buy it, you know, but I do have to say that 
I've said that for a long time on the show, but I've also said that I wish that every manufacturer would just keep one crappy base model, like the Suzuki with their TU250X carbureted drum brake thing that looks like it's a throwback to the 70s. And it looks like just like my SR250 almost, but it's a Suzuki. What's that TW Yamaha? Uh, yeah, that too. That too. Because I think that's carbureted too. Probably you, is. Even if it's fuel injected, I don't think it has ABS. See, and I think every manufacturer should keep one of those bikes that you can learn on and learn that there's things that you, people don't have and the, and things that might fail on you. And this is how, you know what I mean? Like you could use that as a, as a learning tool. And again, like in the States, motorcycles are a luxury item. Like you don't want all those amenities. Like part of riding a motorcycle is that you don't have air conditioning. You don't have heat. Yeah. You don't have protection from the wind and the wet. Is there a bike that cold. comes with air conditioning? Uh, the Goldwing has a pseudo heat. Uh, not air conditioning, but it has a, a heat thing. Like an um, exchanger? I believe what it does, it blows the hot air off the radiators up to you. Yeah. Okay. And it might be Because Harley has that to some stuff, degree too like, where you could angle the vents yeah, where the, the yeah. radiator is blowing you now. And I, I mean, I get it. You're still going to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I've ridden with one hand under <laughs> on top of my cylinder. Yeah. And then put that hand on the throttle and done like we've Just all done that stuff. Off. But I mean, that's part of riding Twister a motorcycle. Twister on a motorcycle. Like, sometimes being miserable on a motorcycle is the best time yeah. you'll ever have on a motorcycle. Listen, if you don't die, it'll be like something that, it, it, you know, that's what will distinguish this awesome like adventure that you gave you something to talk about rather than just a, a yeah. 500 mile ride on a sewing machine. By the way, everything else in this list, we're going to have to like shoot through. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we've no. made it like two lines down his list of like, <laughs> of like 30 so, lines. Well, we've already talked about the gold wings. Uh, Honda also blew the doors open with their Neo sports cafe concept. Have you, did you see that at all? I think I did it's a retro it up it looks good but it's, here's what i have to say about it honda you're boring yeah uh, it's a really clean xsr but they're not though they're gonna they're gonna lose 50 horse and they're gonna add 100 pounds like i am 100 pounds well not quite 100 but i am 50 pounds over what i should be anyway i like, thought you're gonna say you're 100 pounds i say chris you're you're about 100 110 <laughs> You don't need, <laughs> I don't need a motorcycle that gets a ridiculous hundred pound, like the last CB 1100 with a single sided swing arm or CB 1000. I don't know. They did an 1100 like retro one that was kind of cool. Yeah. The CB 1100 that they have right now, I'm pretty, this thing's going to replace it, but it's a dual shock. Like it looks like an old cruiser. It looks like a 750, yeah. but I didn't really like them until I saw what church of choppers did with one. Oh yeah. And then it was like, Oh man, those are good. Um, but the, the CB 1000, like single sided swing arm one, like they took a, a nice 08 and up CBR 1000 motor. I, they lost something like 20 or 30 or 40 horse and it gained, I don't know how much weight. And I'm just like, well, cause on. they have to put like, ABS on it and they have to put like CBR you know, has ABS. Like, I feel like this, I feel like if you're building a naked bike out of a CBR 1000, like take the Yamaha X, whatever, uh, Z 10 or ZR one or whatever the new one is with the R one motor. Like, why do you have to reinvent everything? Like your frame is fine. Your geometry is fine. Like put some moto style bars on it. If you want to do a single sided swing arm, then put a single sided swing arm. But it, <laughs> I just, feel, I felt like they did so much and I was just like face palm. Yeah. I don't know. And it was still like super pricey and I'm like, well then why am I like for that much money, I could buy a CBR 1000 and pull the plastic off and put moto bars on it. Yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah, this kind of does. If you if you think of it in that respect, it kind of does look like a 
a Street Fighter version of like one of their, you know, the 1000s. cafe one I think looked pretty good. It was like nice and smooth and clean. And I get that you're going to have to do stuff for license plate and lights and all that stuff. And I don't think they really did on the concept. They made it real clean. Yeah. It was good. And supposedly it's going to be the predecessor to the... I uh, meant successor. To the CB1100. And so basically you're going to go from dual shock to mono shock. And they're just going to jump into the like XSR and the... Um, Gosh, the not quite the the Z nine hundred, but I mean that's kind of what they're going for. The ride assist D we kind of touched on before, and we touched on it previously, and they just basically kind of confirmed it. It's uh, it's the one that self balances and it uses servos, and that's what what Yamaha was saying about their their crazy uh, motoroid is that it's a self balancer, not using gyros, using. Uh, like servo motors, kind of like the Honda Ride Assist E does. It also follows you like the Honda Ride Assist E does, and it's electric, you know, to some degree. Only the Yamaha balances with the rear wheel and the front wheel static, so you kind of drive it like a forklift. That's, the Neo concept was a single-sided swing arm one. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it right there. It does. It looks super clean, and I, I get – I think they're going to have to add a couple things to make them legal. But honestly, I just – I personally don't see Honda releasing anything that cool. Yeah, and it's not as retro as the CB uh, no, it's, 1100. No, it's really good. It's a really good um, – it's got a round headlight to make it look kind of retro. That's it, yeah. But the subframe and the seat's cleaned up nice. The wheels look good. Honda's sticking with her five-bolt pattern single-sided swing arm. Yeah. I mean, it's 2018. Why would you go to a big nut like Ducati and look good? Um, they did like a red carrier on their front hey, brake rotors. Looks super Because five cool. is more than one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a what is the Yamaha one FZO FZ one right the new the XSR no the, the retro one the, not the retro one the regular one it's FZ one because it's the FZ09 for the triple oh the FZ10 FZ10 okay oh yeah no I see what you're getting at yeah that's like, basically I think a it's, competition I think it's that. a competition for that it's yeah. probably the CBR1000 motor hopefully it's still got a slipper clutch hopefully it's still got the power or I mean within 15 horse I don't know I mean Yamaha I'm sure killed the power for the FZ1 but by how much over the they still got the cool cross plane crank and stuff in it yeah no um, that one's still pretty badass yeah and I think the FZ09 was testament to what a good cheap fun motorcycle could do yeah I've also heard the dealers didn't make much money off those so of the FZ9 yeah yeah and they the were bolts. they were the one they were so weird to have like a FZ uh 07 fz09 and then an fc10 you know what i mean yeah i think the nine was before the seven but only like a year yeah no they overlapped and it definitely it was the only one that had like a truncated tail and it had that weird like rear fender didn't match up to the rest of them like it was a it was the black headed step cheap or whatever the fc07 i think looked better but it was a parallel twin the nine was a triple yeah dude i had a nine dude it was wicked yeah i made like 103 horse but that thing would wheelie yeah it was a pretty insane machine like i i will give it that for like nine grand brand new out the door yeah it was insane it was really good the rest of the honda stuff that that was at tokyo now i don't know what's going to be coming up soon but at tokyo at the um at the show they're kind of uh like was a historical thing and a smaller bike thing. And so the Super Cub uh, 110, it was a, a special um, model made to commemorate the 100 million Super Cubs that have been sold globally and the 60th anniversary of the Super Cub, which is kind of like the Honda Dream, like the stamped frame, you know, like little 125 or 110 thing. They also had the Super Cub C125, which is a new 
commuter Super Cub. And uh, on top of that, they had the uh, Super Cub X. I knew my kid deleted something from here. Uh, the Super <laughs> Cub, I think it was called the C Cub. And it's, and it's uh, basically like skinnier than the Super Cub. And it's got like a more aggressive look. Like it's supposed to be like a, I don't know if it's supposed to be off-road, but it looks, it's naked version of the Super Cub basically. And so they got this the C125 plus the Super Cub uh, I don't know what it's called, like the crazy version. Um, and then the Monkey 125. Have you ever seen the original Monkey? Mm-hmm. Little 50cc, looks like a CT70 shrunk down. Well, yeah. now they have it blown up to 125. I don't cool. know if it's going to replace the Grom, but on my, I think it's kind of like a retro version of the Grom. It, it could like, be, but it looks it's it's its own thing though. I mean, it doesn't have yeah. any of the uh, headlights of the Grom. It, it looks just like a a CT70 or like one of the little Monkey 50s blown up. I mean, it's totally different. C- is it the Grom a 110? So is it the same motor? Probably no. The Grom's a 125 too. So yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're the same is motor. The monkey. Oh yeah, it's a Monkey 125. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there it is. The Cross Cub. That's the the 110 naked sport cub. So yeah, that and the PCX mm-hmm. electric. Scooters and the hybrid scooters, those things are going to be big, probably competing with the uh, BMW Evolution C that they had out, but not in this market yet. We're just not ready for electric shit over here, I guess. Um, now, moving on to Suzuki, basically, they only had a couple things there that really note. One was the SV650X, which is going to compete with the bike we were just talking about, which is the Honda Neo Sports Cafe or their exiting CB1100 like retro. It also kind of looks just like a the XSR, the BMW uh, R9Ts, um, the Z900RS. I have Did they, basically uh, just every retro. So it's retro. basically a retro SV650. <laughs> Dude, it's just an SV650 with a hipster-like padded seat on it. Did they... Uh- and the motor at all i mean no don't get me wrong i think the sv650 is it's a cult bike for a reason like it's a super cool bike it sounds awesome they were super affordable but and they still are a great one of the best track bikes right i mean oh yeah i mean people love them you know they're a nice little throaty twin but they're a little 650 won't get you in trouble um and they're cool. I mean, they're a V twin. I mean, they're a twin. So I mean, yeah. they, they got that cool sound. It's just an old. I think it's kind of maybe it's probably fuel injected now, but it's just an old motor. You know, maybe they put better suspension on it. But that's cool to see the XRS seven fifty. Is that the Yamaha? Yeah, XRS. Oh, they have the XSR nine hundreds, but the seven fifty just dropped. Uh, they just announced that they're going to have a seven fifty two. Is it a seven fifty or seven hundred? Because it would be the same motor as the. It's a seven hundred FZ seven, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right, seven hundred. So there's the see. They put like a bikini fairing on the SV. They put a little hipster seat, and that's it kind of just looks like they tried I'm to. S- I'm sorry, Suzuki. That's gross. Yeah, they're they're trying to jump on this craze with bold new graphics, kind of, which is what Suzuki always does. If there's one thing about Suzuki, it's bold new graphics or smaller new graphics. Which brings us to the next bike, which is the. Uh, they just didn't fully commit. No, no, they took a, like that. Cowie didn't Cowie doing a new retro? Yeah, the uh, the RS nine hundred fully looks committed. Sweet. It looks very good, Cowie. Congratulations. Yeah, but. Suzuki, come on. Yeah. So the GSXR 125 ABS version, which everything in outside of the United States that's 125 or older has to have ABS now, so they didn't really need to tack ABS on there. Mm. But that also, that looks like a good bike. I put not shit styling like other 125s and 250s got because let's face it, like if you had a 
A lot of them are. Even a Honda back before this newest one and the Yamaha before the R3 came out, if you had a 250, they wanted you to know that you were riding a 250 so that you would buy up, right? Yeah. They didn't want you, like Ninja, old Ninja 250s look like shit, but the well, 300s I get a kick are out of how, pretty like, good. There's so many 300s now and everyone's super on board. And I'm like, Cowie had a 250 Ninja and even the 500 Ninja for years. Yeah. No one wanted one. And now it's like, I'm going to get a 300. And I'm like, yeah. no. And why is Honda and Yamaha like making 300s too? Yeah. You I know, get it. I know. I, I wrote an article, uh, I forget when, but it was like right after IMS last year talking about how Kawasaki, the two, that Ninja 250 started this like small bike craze that we saw mm-hmm. come in last year. Everybody had 300s. BMW has oh. a first 300 in the longest time. Um, you know, you couldn't get anything un- under KTM's 650. Got a super rad one. KTM has them. Uh, Honda dropped a couple, you know, then the freaking Kawasaki versus three. I mean, they're starting to do 300 mm-hmm. everythings, right? Well, guess what Kawasaki did this year? The 300, I don't think, couldn't pass. I heard someone speculate. I think it was Wingman's Garage maybe speculating that it couldn't pass the Euro 4, which, you know, mm-hmm. shit, Euro 3, Euro 4 just came out like a year and a half apart or something like that. So it kind of sucks that they're already having to do shit for it already. But the Ninja 400 dropped. And uh, to me, it doesn't quite look as good as the 300 did. It's a little bit different. And I don't know exactly what motor they're using for it. Uh, I can't think of anything that they've got that's even like 500, you know? That they're like, they had a Ninja 500, a parallel twin Ninja. The EX? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but how long ago was that? They haven't had that for a while. It's true because it's been a 650 for a long time. Yeah, so I can't think of what they're detuning down to 400 or or pumping up to. 400 to, but still meeting and emissions when, when do you hit that line of you're no longer a small bike yeah <laughs> well you know what that's true it's all the 250 that's everyone true. went 300 like yeah when everybody went 300 and the fim decided that they were going to do like a moto gp or world Superbike support series for the 300s they said the cb 500 could get in there because they started doing a power to weight ratio and i think this is either just a punched out weak ass mm. 350 that they that they had could to be. make bigger to make more gas more uh you know compliant for euro four and so it probably is down on power for the size of the motor so they'll probably weasel in with the 300s and just not be as powerful but i was like what so that Ninja 400, interesting. Um, and also, they needed a motor to compete with the R3 and the CB 300 and 500, so they plopped it right there in the middle. Um, Kawasaki did, like you said, drop the bomb with their worst-kept secret, the Z900 RS. And, uh, dude, that thing is going to be freaking awesome. I I put a you picture know, up a long time ago. I want to see ago. the price point of it because I feel like it can't be that expensive or it's not going to sell. Uh, yeah. I mean, what would you say the top like seventeen? Would that be too much? Oh yeah. I mean, look what you can get for seventeen. I'm talking like it needs to be thirteen, twelve. I'd be looking like what's the ZR one ZR ten? The FC ten, uh, I think, is like I want to. Don't quote me on this. I'm gonna just go off the top of my head and say again. The FZ09 is like nine grand. Oh, uh, see, I think the FC ten <clears throat> is like. I wanted to say like 13 or 14. I thought it was pretty expensive. They don't have that R off on here yet. Now, granted though, too, I feel like people that are going to buy retro bikes, like look at the old Ducati Sport 1000s, Sport Classics or whatever they were, and the Triumphs. So, you know what? Maybe you can get a little bit more out of them. Did they do inverted forks and stuff on it? 
the RS, they, I believe they do, and I on believe the, on the Z9. Yeah, yeah, Z900 RS. Yeah, and they also said that they're going to have a new supercharged bike debuting at ICMA, which is coming up November seventh through the twelfth, and um, you know, it's kind of capitalizing on the H2 technology, but translating over to probably like a concourse style um, platform. And basically what that's going to do is make it so that you can get the last out of the ice engines because we're coming toward the end of the, uh, you know, the ice engine, everybody, you know, a lot of people were talking about how all these countries are going to, you know, ban, um, gasoline engines by like 2030, 2040. That's actually coming up here pretty, pretty dang quick. And, um, very soon. Yeah. So I think that the supercharging, it sounds cool and it sounds like, well, you're putting like a turbo or a supercharger on a bike, but really what you're doing is you're getting more or the same amount of power with less gas. And so you're becoming more efficient and you're becoming um, like nobody's going to buy a less powerful bike. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to buy something that. <laughs> uh, hey, that's kind of true. I mean, what people I think don't realize um, when you stuff more air, it takes more gasoline too. Even if it's a smaller cylinder, like you can take a 500 and then you can supercharge it and you're going to get the gas mileage of a thousand. Yeah. Right. But uh, kind of like. I feel too like we're in an era right now that's kind of limbo. Like if you look at the auto industry, like look at the horsepower we're getting out of cars recently. Like yeah. Bone stock must V six Mustangs making 300 horse. Yeah. Oh God. And and the V eights were making like one sixty two back in the day. Like, you know, and that was like crazy, but yeah, now you're getting out of a six, like the samey, same, like displacement, get making double, triple the horsepower. I think with bikes, like that's to me, that's kind of why you're going to tack a supercharger on it. Like, because I think the H2R is a 900 with a supercharger. It's a 998 or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, that thing's just trying to get, what are those things, 200 horse almost? Yeah. No, they're they're 200. Um, they've gone 300 k- kilometers per hour. Um, they're just, they're incredible. And they are, you know, one of the things that's like, you don't really, you know, it sounds like you're talking about a 1400 CC bike, the the power it makes and the speeds that yeah. it reaches. But in actuality, what it is, is that you're just like ramming more gas and fuel into a smaller engine. And when you ride it sensibly, um, you're getting better gas mileage is what I presume. I mean, that's why the Honda Previa had a, uh, or the Toyota Previa had a supercharger, right? Because that yeah. thing didn't pop wheelies, but it supposedly got better, you know. So the Z900... To give everyone listening, like they did a cool retro paint job. The main one's orange. I've seen a green one. It's got inverted forks, an inline four cylinder with some little fins on it, and some cool little stuff to look retro. So I don't know what the motor's out of. It's not the ZX, not or the. They did come out that Z900 this year. Okay. So. Well, I'm sorry, 2017. Okay. So, so I'm they, assuming they've it got was a 900 that. that's. Yeah, it's not like straight out of the ZX10 or whatever. No. Or the ZX9, I think they dropped. Didn't they have the ZX9 for? Yeah, they. Yeah, they have the ZX10, the ZX6, the ZX10, and the ZX14, and they did have a ZX9 for quite a while. Um, that was more like CBR 900 era. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's got a cool little like step up one piece seat with a very cowie looking retro tail, which I like that they pulled off their own style of like old tails, like. When I see like Honda do a CB, I'm like, why don't you put like a cool little like wing, like the old CB750 and CBX and stuff, but whatever. 
Um, <clears throat> it's got mono shocks. It's got inverted forks. It's got nice radial mount brakes up front. Like it's going to be a sleeper. Like most people are going to think that you're on a eighties bike and it's brand new, which I think triumph. And again, Ducati with their sport classics and stuff like they've proven that motorcycles are luxury items in the States and people want, like it looks cool and you can have that styling and still have modern stuff. So it's definitely a cool bike. It'll be interesting to see the price point, but I like it. Yeah. Another interesting thing is that they had right when they announced that there could be a retro coming up, I think last year at the Tokyo show, they also announced the soul charger concept and everyone's like that. And the drawings kind of looked retro. So that's even last year they were like the soul charger thing. Is that a retro bike? So this, the retro was nothing new. The fact that they freaking showed pictures of it like four months ago. uh, I don't know if they were leaked or whatever was also like worst kept secret, right? Like, uh, you know, Lorenzo going to Ducati <laughs> announced like a whole year before he went over. I feel like they've been leaking this thing on accident forever, but the soul. Yeah. Did you see the dirt bag challenge right before that? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Eliza and those guys were just there. Sorry. Sorry. TV moment. Um, but yeah, we, they announced the soul charger and I'm, I'm thinking they're going to put, they're going to make the 900 with, you know, they're going to throw like the H2 motor into a retro bike. If the soul charger thing, happens and now if they're really going to do it with the sport touring um then we're going to see it you know we're going to see what's on that um what else came out of it well so here here's the deal we don't know what exactly uh is going to be their supercharged bike but they're going to debut it at eichma and eichma is coming up november 7th through 12th in uh mylan itali and uh kawasaki is going to debut this bike based off the h2 um like I said, in Cycle World, there was a little write-up on it, you know, being the last vestiges of eking out as much power and efficiency as you can out of a nice engine before the era of the electric comes in and all of us motorheads uh, decide to kill ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Um, Arch is actually set to debut three new models. I read that on Asphalt and Rubber. Yes, man, Keanu Reeves is going to be there, which probably means if he's going to make three new models, they might be making a an everyman model and not just their 58 or $78,000. I bet to them everyman's 30,000. Yeah. You know, modus range, which you also, I've heard uh, modus was making another model too. Interestingly enough. Um, so the beta, something, this is pretty cool to me. The beta has a new cross trainer, uh, 293 CC liquid cooled two stroke, uh, little ripper out, and yes, they're still making two strokes that meet emission standards globally. Are they doing direct port fuel injection yet? Because they've I've seen it on two strokes, but I haven't seen a production. One yeah, yet. Beta and KTM, and I want to say Husky are all doing direct port. I think that's how they're because they're claiming it's almost as clean as a four stroke. That's how they're. I think that's how they're making a. They're, it's like direct Which, injection or something. Yeah, if you it. could have a two stroke as clean as a four stroke. Wow. I know. And people forget like two strokes went away in 2006 here, but they came back. And I think people kind of forget that because you can buy two stroke dirt bikes still. And they're like, how do you do that? And it's because they went to direct port a few years after they were banned. Oil in it. There's something else they're doing right. to lube the cylinder. Yeah. Or lube oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's actually the crank that needed lubed, but. Yeah, when you look at these direct port bikes, there's like a separate oiling system. Um, and they're the efficiency of it is way different because 
Yeah, they're like inject. They're like using like a fuel injector now instead of like a like a reed valve or whatever the hell they used yeah. to used to use. Uh, Bull Taco also making uh, a little bit of headlines. I think I might have posted on Instagram or Tumblr or something. One of the Bull, Bull Taco, you know, they I talked about them. They were a, a motorcycle company back in like the uh, late '60s, early '70s out of Spain. And they've gone, then re rebought or rebranded into electric bikes. And they had this e-bike that does like the, the brochure I have upstairs says 218 miles an hour. However, if you're a mag, if you're a, a street legal electric bicycle, you're limited by law in most countries to just under 30 miles an hour. It's 45 kilometers. So 30, it's like 27 point something. I just put 28 miles an hour. So they got this new Wiltaco Albero, which is technically you could qualify it as a either or, but they qualify it as a bicycle first so that more people can buy it. So they're limiting it, but it's a pretty rad. It's like got, um, it's like a moto bike hybrid and it's got basically the safety of a motorcycle and the durability of a motorcycle with the like rideability of an e-bike. So it's pretty rad. They're going to be there. Um, on a side note, Yamaha had a bunch of e-bikes too. So I don't know if e-bicycles are going to be like the next stepping stone into motorcycling. Uh, <clears throat> the Yamaha Niken, you mentioned that earlier. And I think we mentioned it. Big news at the Tokyo Motorcycle Show, but also at ICMA, they're going to have it. Ridiculous three-wheeled leaning crazy thing that they debuted. I just don't get it. Like it used traditional telescoping forks that had two on each side. Yeah, dude. It's like a quadruple fork. Uh, <laughs> like it looks like it's going to cost 30 grand. Yeah. And... I get who was it. It, it was, looks better than a Piaggio, but it doesn't. But the thing is with a Piaggio, like it's a scooter. Yeah. And I feel like, I know scooter people are going to get mad, but I feel like scooters all your in hate general, too, uh, yeah, scooters in general are not, they're commuters. They're like purely from home to work. They get a hundred miles a gallon. They're a little, you can park them easily. <laughs> Like, and they're for people in general that don't really ride. Yeah. And I think so, the three wheeled Piaggio concept was kind of like to get people comfortable with yeah, it. Yeah. So I feel like that one, especially like I really understand it in that regard. Like, hey, you don't ride a motorcycle, but you know that you could benefit from it. Here's a scooter for you. But I don't get what Yamaha's push is. Like, it's. Yeah, and they showed it like hitting the canyons or the yeah, track. Yeah, uh, it was on like, a track, and I was like, "What the hell? <laughs> what the hell?" Um, I read somewhere that they were like, "Yeah, you know, this is going to allow people to push new boundaries of like, you know, because obviously you're going to have more traction and all this stuff." And I read something, and I, I, I don't know if you would. I don't know if you would either. I scanned it and I mis misread the word insurance, blah blah blah, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Like insurance companies are probably going to give you not as hard of a time." And then I reread it, and it didn't say that. I was like, "Where? Why did my mind see that?" <laughs> but it was such an interesting concept to me. Like, you know what? You probably could like take that thing around and like not get hassled by insurance because it's technically safer or something like that. But I don't think riding a three wheeler around and pushing the boundaries on it is going to translate over to like what you can do on two wheels or make it any more safer to go do it on this three wheeled thing than and a two wheeled thing. I don't feel like they did it to prove they could do it because again, I don't think they did it because tracks are selling hot either. You know, like well, I don't know why they did it. It's narrow. It's not like it's not like the uh, the Canam Spider. Trikes. Oh no, you can like, still split lanes on that thing. But why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like. Like I get, especially the Japanese do this a lot. Like they built like Honda with their self-balancing bike. Like they built that in part 
to prove to everyone they could build that. Mm-hmm. Like this thing's already been done and it's been a production thing that people could buy. Yeah. And and Honda's like into robotics and there's other yeah. concepts probably going into play there. A three-wheeled thing that relies mostly on mechanical stuff and not like yeah. any crazy new technology. I just don't get it. And it looks funny, but and somebody's seen it on a website already. So I was like, what the fuck? I saw the video and stuff. Like it they did a cool little video. It's a, release. So, yeah, I know. You know it's a real thing. It's not like some mock-up. It's really been hucked out there around some corners. So I maybe we need to ride it. Uh, Yamaha. I'll, I'll be hitting up yeah. Yamaha Corporate, and can you guys explain to us and then let us try it? Um, we the, need to be that show that like takes stuff out for the yeah. weekend. Yeah, hey, we will be that show. <laughs> I would definitely be that show. Uh, hey, so we're that show that takes stuff out on the weekend. Contact us, and yeah. we'll take you. We do if, it all the time, yeah. so when you send us, you will not be the first. Yeah, like, and listen, <laughs> if you're even a listener out there, you got a bike you want us to ride it to its limit, um, let us know. I'll show you how easy you can crash it. Chris will take it around the track and show you what the top speed is. Um, the Benelli Land Chino, uh, a 500cc twin, four-valve, six-speed retro. This thing is pretty rad. It kind of reminds me of an Ascot, but it's like an old Italian Benelli. Benelli still make motorcycles? Dude, you better believe they still make something. They still make scooters, I know. Um, hey, back and, to my grandpa and people wanting to buy motorcycles. He has two Benellis. Oh, yeah. I don't remember one, but one is a 1970s. 650 twin with 33 miles. Oh my God. So get out your checkbook, make Chris's, it payable to me. Chris's grandpa, we're that show that rides stuff to keep it running, of course, <laughs> to keep, make sure that it still oh, has gas man. going. Yeah, right. Um, but no, I, this bike was really cool. I know they still make race bikes and I know they still, they have some scooters. So I'm, like you know, shotguns. I haven't seen this. F- yeah, I know. That's true, huh? I, I, I don't know where this 500 twins coming out of and if it's going to be available anywhere, but it looked pretty bitchin'. Um, and then Triumph on the, uh, I saw Triumph there going to be making some debuts at ICMA. One of them is the new Speedmaster, which is basically a 1200cc Sportster in uh, English trim. <laughs> it looks a lot like, I mean, American retro rad, like 70s Triumph shit. When you Wait, couldn't, which one? The Triumph Tiger? The Speed Speedmaster. Oh. Like when you couldn't tell a Triumph from a Harley because they both had like, <clears throat> It was you know, just whether it was a parallel or a V. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, dude. And then, Supposedly, they have 42% more torque than the 2015 Speedmaster. And uh, I don't think they've made them for a couple of years. I think they're bringing them back. So, uh, And then the Triumph that nobody knows exists, you know, like the T100, the Bonneville, blah, blah, blah. The, well, the Triumph Tiger, the one that everyone forgets they have a stinking like Ducati-like Multistrada thing called the Tiger. The uh, 800, I heard, is getting a redesign. Um, and then on Asphalt and Rubber... I saw Honda Africa Twins getting a spinoff, like more of like that sport adventure concept they made. Bigger tank, like crazier front end, more Dakar looking. Um, and BMW says they're going to have four new bikes. Cool. Four new bikes. They already just came out with like the Turbangs, which is the T Urban GS. And the, um, I mean, they already came out with four new bikes. I wonder if they're going to just say these are for 2018 and like show you some of the bikes they've been showing you. Um and I heard Ducati has another scrambler coming out. For real, is Ducati They're uh, not updating? Have they updated the scrambler at all, or it's just been new variant? It's like variant after variant after variant. Which again, like I, well, I the desert sled that is a variant, but that's one that kind of was like a little bit different. A spinoff, huh? yeah. That's like because it wasn't just like a body but kit on the. Scrambler. I gotta say, like having one of the things I really appreciate about my Ducati was a four valve water cooled motor fits. The clutch was the same in almost everything. 
Uh, I should have a rear shock here sometime I bought off eBay like a week ago that hopefully fits, but it's better. It's off a 999. Monster? Mm-hmm. But the motors, like, they, like, motorcycle motors, especially two-valve air-cooled motors, like, they don't need to change much. That like, was your opportunity to say, no, my other Ducati, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was a little slow. But, so, it's cool that, like, the Scrambler is getting these variants and not really changing that much. Like, I think it's a good bike right now. Um, it's a cool price point. If I'm not mistaken, though, it's not made in Italy, though, is it? I think it's made in Thailand. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I think saw a thing the other day where a guy was like, oh, this is one of the few Italian ones. And I was like, that's kind of a bummer. But I guess that's how you hit that price point. Yeah. Well, and, you know, going back a couple weekends ago, a couple weeks ago, I did, we you know, that little thing on Triumph and Harley going over to Thailand. And it's mm-hmm. like, listen, Triumph's already there. Ducati's already there. Some Honda stuff's already there. Some Kawasaki stuff. I want to say, I can't remember if they're Thailand or Taiwan. Or Malaysia, like they're they're all yeah. There's like always some variation of like elsewhere in Asia where everything's made. But there's already a lot of companies going over there having a lot of success, and so Ducati going there as well. Like you know, we wouldn't have to compete against these company these countries if we didn't give them our technology first, <laughs> right? Well, also this is everyone, us Japanese Europeans. Yeah, stop giving third world countries their technology. Yeah. And, it and quit so making so much stuff. damn money that, you know, you can't, a McDonald worker has to make $10 or $15 an hour. Hey, listen, that is going to make everything more expensive, including oh, motorcycles. Man. Yeah, it is. That's a, we can go back to when motorcycles were like $250 brand new versus like now. And yeah, that's a whole nother show. I want to say real quick on the, I haven't looked up the Speedmaster, but the Benelli, it's is that it? super rad. Dude, look at, yeah, look at that thing. Isn't is it, a, it rad? Is it a 500? Yeah, the, okay. the 500 uh, parallel twin. So it's a parallel twin 500, like a scrambler style. This one comes with knobbies. It looks like it'll fit right in with like the, uh, what's the off-road version of the FZ07 or the retro version of that, that kind of the XRS or whatever. The XSR. Oh, and yeah. the SCR scrambler, the bolt scrambler kind of like, yeah. yeah, it fits right in with that too. So it's definitely like a, it's cool. Um, I don't know. That's Who rad. owns Benelli now? Like, uh, probably. I'm always that guy that goes. Hero. How am I going to get parts for it in ten years? Yeah, uh, that that's true. Probably so, Hero owns it, or like um, the the guys that own Jawa, that Mahindra company, probably owns it. <laughs> they own like Jawa and freaking Triumph, DBSA. Yeah, is it a 2018 Speedmaster? Uh, yeah, from they're going to be releasing it at uh, Speedmaster. Yeah, at ICMA. So, are there no images yet? I don't know. I saw pictures. Okay. Looks like a twelve hundred Sportster kind of. Yeah, they're um, the Speedmaster. I think the one in in fifteen was this too. It's a parallel twin, but I think it's bigger than like the Bonneville motors. Like yeah, thirteen or fourteen hundred, something like that. They're oh. more they're more cruiserish. You sit inside of them more. Well, one was the. Uh, yeah, the Speedmaster, and then they had a variant that was big, and it was not not the Rocket Three or anything like that. It was they like, did have a three cylinder one though. That was that's huge. the Rocket. That's the Rocket Three. Okay. It's like six or fourteen or sixteen hundred cc or something like that. But the speed, the other Speedmaster, yeah, I think they had two versions because I think they had the Speedmaster and then the Speedmaster American or Californian or something Could've crazy, something, something like that. that. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, that guy's farting in that guy's face. Oh. We're watching more Born Free on TV. Sorry, fellas. Yeah. This is an old born free when I remember when all the bikes were in that area. Yeah. Back when it was. And you could ride your bike in next to it. Yeah. Park. Yeah. I look, that almost looked like me. 
Yeah, it's funny. And like all the vendors and stuff, it's like half the size that it is now. Yeah, which is, you know, growing pains. Everything was kind of cool back then. I mean, I went last year. No, I didn't go last year. Last year being this year. I went the year before last, 2016. Uh, I think I was in Hawaii when it happened this year. But um, yeah, dude, it was, it seems like it just has gone crazy. Yeah. And uh, like way more like... uh, Sceny, I guess you could oh, say. Oh, yeah, it's definitely. Sceny, yeah. sceny, teeny bikini. Yeah. It's definitely the cool place to go. Yeah. Even if you don't like motorcycles. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. If you want to show off your tattoos and your short shorts. Dude. It's the place to be. We're going to look at, yeah. Born free. <laughs> Awkward silence as we. As we stare at born free girls. <laughs> um, I was looking at the shirts. Born free four, huh? Oh, dude, I bet like Brittany Olsen was here. I bet like the. Did she come out? Did she? Used to come one of those years she did. Yeah. Her and her husband like won, I think. And Roland Sands like had his like two stroke attack out there. Uh, Or the Air Maki one. And one of those old ones. Speed Merchant Brownie's done a few bikes. Dude, last year. Or, yeah, last year or the year before, whenever I went, I, dude, I was digging the Speed Merchant stuff there. There was like a land speed bike there. Oh yeah, Chris oh Bridgewater. God, dude, that thing is. Yeah. I took all sorts of pics of that thing. I was like up in it, like they were looking at me, like I this dude digs bikes because like everyone's just walking by it, and I was like, "Holy shit, look at the piping on this!" Like I, I was just like tripping out on like the. You the know, cool that's- thing too with a lot of the actual like speed merchant bikes, like that's Chris Bridgewater's bike, the Land Speed bike, but the actual speed merchant bikes, um. Almost all of them, you can go up, and if you know where the switches and the button are, you can like start it, yeah. and ride it. I saw it. I wasn't gonna do it there, especially like, you know. Well, I mean, he just uh, Brownie's really good about taking like good running bikes and not fucking them up. Yeah, <laughs> they look cool, but he's like, dude, I want to be able to ride it places. Like that's the whole point of a motorcycle. Yeah. So I know um, for sure. sure. So we we made it through your list. We made it through the list. Um, shall we delve into? I mean, that's it for motor shows. We're going to see what happens at ICMA. Um, there's 15 minutes left of the show. We got our motors to get through. There's Brittany Olson right there. Yeah. There's 15 minutes. Do you think we can get through our motors in that time? Yeah. Depends Maybe. how technical you want to get. Dude, I like I said, I read about my motor when it first came out, and I just saw this article that says 2009. <laughs> so it's been a while since I read about it. I found some like cool info on mine and uh, and the whole bike. This is actually the first one I'm not picking. It's Japanese, so that's cool. Oh, my God. I'm going to let you go first. Me, uh, all right, so my weird motor is also a weird bike. Um, the reason I picked it was... I also I learned some more interesting stuff about it today, but it is definitely, definitely a weird configuration. But back to my theme of, I guess, the rotary. Uh, no, back to my theme of pretty well every bike on my list. Like someone I feel like thought it was really going to work. And a lot of them really did work well, like hence the CB750 and the VTEC. Um, so this one is, it's a 990cc four-cylinder. It's actually mounted in the frame of the motorcycle longitudinally rather than transversely. Not that that's relevant to the weirdness of the motor, but I think that it it does play into the entire bike being well thought out. Um, it It's a W4, if I can call it that. And what I'm considering like a W motor is like the Bugatti Varen and or Veyron or whatever and uh, 
Volkswagen did some where it was basically the Nardo concept. Yeah, it was basically they offset the cylinders a little bit so they could get them closer. So I knew that about it. And upon some further reading on my reliable source of Wikipedia, it actually so the motor is mounted longitudinally. And then it says that allows the tra- if you mount it transverse, the gyroscopic effect tends to stand the bike up when leaned over and applying throttle, which by the way, if you're coming out of a corner, you probably want it to stand up, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you want going some centrifugal into a, force Going to into a it. corner, you want it to lay down though, right? Yeah, but if you're off the throttle. Oh yeah. I don't know. I've only ridden a bike with motors for the most part that way. And, I always and a give Goldwing it, doesn't really count. Yeah, and I always give it throttle going in, into the corner, <laughs> so maybe I'm doing so, it wrong. So, um, anyway, to... Like get rid of that gyroscopic force of the longitudinal orientation it has a lengthwise mounted inline four, or it is longitudinally rather than transverse. So it's it's in line with the bike, or yeah, with the bike. So, but it's an inline force under cut in half, and the resulting crankshaft halves counter rotate. So. I'm not real sure how they did this. It's not, I thought it was a single crank like the W Volkswagen motors. And yes, sorry to crush you. Bugatti is a Volkswagen. Um, <laughs> Indeed it is. So I guess it actually has two cranks, but it's the Moto Sis C1. Oh shit. Based out of Portland, Oregon. I was like, what is he getting at here? What yeah. is this motor? I fucking forgot. As about I read that. into it more, I, I really liked it because I found out that it was actually meant to compete in MotoGP. Um, which was super cool. It had some, so the two counter rotating cranks I felt was interesting. Like to me, that's going to add a lot of weight, but I also get if it makes the bike handle better because they balance each other out. That totally makes sense. Um, two of the four throttle bodies were controlled mechanically while the other two were controlled by the ECU. Uh, it just said it was supposed to help the power curve out. Um, yeah, so it helped with smooth power delivery. So I, I picked it because it was kind of the W shape. So you could do a four cylinder, but you could basically shorten it. It was also mounted longitudinally in the frame, which again, that's the bike, not the motor, but it was, the motor was designed to be mounted that way. So it kind of does play to the weirdness of the motor. Um, anyway, so what happened, unfortunately, FIM and Drona reduced the engine capacity of GP bikes to 800 cc's instead of a thousand so this company out of portland oregon with this sounds like super uber rich guy supporting it and i believe his name was actually yeah michael says yeah he recently um, he died of brain cancer same thing that like john Britton died of it was so oh, weird man, i wanted to move to portland and work there no yeah he's de- he died um, recently but the first thing i found was czycz and his, yeah this says his name was czycsz so maybe he just changed it for the bike or maybe there's or a misspelling Wiki- Wikipedia misspelled it. Wikipedia is perfect. <laughs> well, um, so once like, we write, once we take over Wikipedia, it will be perfect. Yeah. So yeah, because our knowledge is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh it'll be, man, it'll be this show. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but no, I thought that was like super rad. Like they really integrated some cool stuff um, with the kind of W format, and then learning later the counter rotating cranks to balance out the entire motorcycle um what's the name of the motor or what's is it the uh what was the model c1 
Yeah, okay, that's right. Well, because he went on to make electrics, but yeah. the C one was his like baby. That was yeah. like his, his jam. And then what they did was you ruined it. No, I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> then they went on and did the E one, which looked super rad. It looked like it had the batteries mounted like to the side, uh, where thought- the, like, and they were all shaped or whatever it was, or maybe it was heat sink, but it was all shaped like bodywork. And it went to win a uh, Isle of Man TT electric. Um, just like super cool. And one thing I appreciated was they kept like the same kind of headlight design from the C1. Um, obviously, like now that you it's like the, the heat sink or batteries or whatever kind of hung out. So that kind of got rid of the lower fairing and the side fairings. But the bike overall kind of looked the same. It was super rad. Um, but it was cool to see they did keep going on for a while. I don't know if they're around anymore, if he died of brain cancer. But uh, yeah, he died of uh, brain cancer, I want to say last year. Um, yeah, and it, it sucked because he was like going places and doing things in motorcycles. And they were actually, I was reading where they uh, were taking deposits for uh, 50 street legal ones they were going to do, but it was, they were going to be like 100 grand a piece. Um, so I don't know. I feel like. And it's such a cool thing if it could have some like the Britain, like, you know, maybe ahead of its time. But I feel like so many of those people like Confederate uses like a Harley based motor. Modus uses a Chevy based motor, um, <laughs> a Buick cut in half. or something. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's cool, but sometimes I question, you know, some guys, you know, maybe they're just like, oh, this is I want to do this V4 push rod motor because I like American V eights. Okay. That's cool. But I don't know. I feel like this guy was like, I want to build a motorcycle to go win races. And honestly, like Americans don't really do that. Like I, I love Buell's, but you didn't win a six, you won a 600 championship on a 1200. So (laughs) you didn't win anything. (laughs) Um, and I think Buell's had some really good innovations, but sticking to a V twin and trying to race 600s with it, like he never went full out like Ducati, you know, the rules are probably kind of written around Ducati too. Like that's why they were allowed 1200s when everyone else had thousands or they were allowed thousands when everyone else had seven fifties. But I feel like Buell was kind of around. and Honda and Ducati both said that nineties are the best. And Eric Buell's like, no, I'm going to do a 60. <laughs> and I, I get that. And for a street bike, that's fine. But I feel like the Moto Sizz was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it this way to make it compact. I'm going to counter rotate the crank to make it balanced. And it's going to corner better and it's still going to make a bunch of power. So I don't know. Yeah, there was an interesting design. It had to be a chain. It must have had a a 90 to drive a chain because you can do a lot to a drive shaft, but it's still going to like pick the bike up and down. And if you're getting rid of that by turning the motor and doing two cranks, you're not going to put it back into it by putting a drive shaft on it. Yeah, no, that it sounds, I mean, and and the crazier you go, the more complex you're, you know, your yeah. system has a beast. So and if you want to compete in MotoGP, like you're going to keep some of that shit simple. So I feel like a chain was definitely, you know, then you can change gear ratios and stuff like that. So, but it weird and interesting and it worked, you know, it was unfortunate timing with MotoGP and I don't, could you have just sleeved it and shortened the stroke up a little bit and made it an 800? Probably. I don't know why they didn't. But I know that's also very, very, very expensive ventures. So, yeah, you know, and maybe he felt like if he did that, the bike was going to be too heavy still. So where the big 
Japanese and the Italians totally redesigned it. So yeah, and nowadays, I mean, God, they're going so much to, with the electronics, you know, mapping and every eking out every little thing. Yeah, like the crazier you get, sometimes yeah. it's probably the harder to the more advanced your design or the more complex, the harder it probably is to squeak out even little further. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like little refinements. Um, yeah, I was trying to find if it said anywhere how they how they drove it. It just talks about the engine. It is pretty rad sounding. Yeah, it's a good looking bike. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know that that one was kind of given to me by a friend of mine. I was asking around about weird stuff. Dude, like, Check listen, this one out. And what I'm, a way to get asked out of a thing too is that your just motor's too big and there's no way to compensate. You know what I mean? Like what the yeah. hell? But no, uh, his story is another story that I love. Uh, I saw a documentary on him um, and just the stuff, like the way he thought, you know, just outside the box. And yes, to answer your question, I think he was like a trust, not a trust fund dude, but he was a, he, he was not poor. I mean, I, I don't think you start even racing motorcycles if you're poor, <laughs> let alone trying to build them, you build your own company. But you know, dude, that's, that's Styling pretty awesome. Good. Yeah, it was a chain drive on the right side. Okay. Which is weird. They look yeah. good. And the electric ones, for an electric one, they kind of added a bunch of shit around the swing arm, which I feel was unnecessary, but the electric ones look good. Yeah. Oh, dude, they look so crazy, too. Looks yeah. like a armor, like old samurai armor or something on the side there. And I know, I haven't looked at the lightnings. I know um, Misfits had the dude from Lightning on, and it made me real interested in them. But, uh, yeah, and they're just... You know, and it was cool to learn they were out of the states. Yeah, like, I feel like that is the rarity. You know, there and and a lot of the e people are for some reason. Um, and Liza and I were just talking last night, and you know, she was talking about zero and how like all those guys started. Oh my god, that thing is crazy! Cut away the motor. Yeah, just like zero and and um, lightning and sizz uh, and I heard Tesla's working on a bike. Yeah, Tesla is Bramos. We can't forget Bramo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, just so it, a lot of the e motorcycle stuff. This not to me is ironic of, because I feel like in general the United States are behind with yeah with green energy. Yeah, like no offense to Mr. Obama, but yeah, and our new guy is not going to do anything. <laughs> he's like rever- he's like reversing it back, yeah, right? <laughs> but I, I feel like we're behind, and you know, I've always been the guy like not totally get it. And don't get me wrong. I still think there's plenty of problems with electric before everyone tells you how there's zero emissions. Like, well, making them, are you going to keep those batteries <laughs> in your garage yeah. or in your closet? Like when they're glowing green or whatever, like yeah. no one knows what to do with that stuff. So I think there's definitely problems that are not addressed. And if any of our listeners have a, uh, a Tesla, please take off the zero emissions, um, front license plate <laughs> just because, as you're driving it right now, it's zero emissions. Doesn't mean the car is zero emissions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the funny thing is because there's always like a, a cap and trade somewhere. On but I feel like we do need to push forward. But I think solely focusing on electric is not the answer unless we can clean up the batteries and make them last longer. Which listening to the dude from Zero, he's got some of that figured out. So you know maybe. It will be yeah, the future, but definitely battery technology coming on here pretty soon. Harley should be releasing their. They said in the Milwaukee Business Journal last year that they were on a 
tight timeline to get that thing out. And are about, they going to do the Livewire actually production? They said they were going to have it out by 2021, which is like three years from now. Which is when hopefully Indian will use that freaking you know the rebadged Bramo impulse and bring out the you know the. Oh, did they buy Bramo too? Well, no, but yeah, well, well, Victory bought Bramo. Okay, and then well, they bought the Impulse at least from them, and then Bramo stayed as like their own uh, drivetrain and electronics company. But they brought the motorcycle side from Bramo, and then had the the Victory uh, mm. Impulse. Remember it won Pikes Peak that one year, oh. and it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Indian obviously owned Victory, so I don't know. They're just, they're sitting on this stuff. They might be developing something or to time it with Harley. You know, but Mugen Shinden, dude, that thing, the, the TTX GP has been happening since like 2007 or 2009. I mean, yeah. it's almost been a decade that people have been racing these things. And uh, it is interesting to see like what's going to be well, coming listen out. Well, to the guy from Zero, like I can get a range long enough to go to work. Oh, dude, listen, um, there has been some major jumps in technology uh, with battery technology and the materials that they've been making them with. And I know the Teslas, you can charge them in 15 or 20 minutes. They're getting down. Uh, I don't want. For I don't want to. I don't want to shit on on our next month. But there's a somebody that deals with electric vehicle infrastructure that's going to be coming on the show next month, and we're going to be talking some of this futuristic shit that's actually like we did have a thing to actually go ride some of the zeros. Maybe we should go do that. We should do that too. Yeah, because we have tons of time. All always. Oh man, nothing but. <laughs> uh, well, because well, like I'm excited for them. Like they're torquey. The quiet would be weird, but honestly, as I get older, I don't want super loud motorcycles anyway. Yeah. Well, um, listen, dude, and the future is like, I want to be able to sneak in and out of my neighborhood without people complaining. The more urban sprawl yeah. happens, the more your neighbors are going to be on top of you. I always Hell, love seeing... Um, like deer hunting. I always think of like, yeah, right. wouldn't it be rad to sneak up on a, you know, all these farmers get like electric shit and just be able to yeah. be a little bit quieter? Um, Did I yeah, say farmers? I, I meant hunters. <laughs> I always love... Uh, the Harley corn. guys are like, my neighbors are saying that my bike's too loud and I'm just going to rev it up in front of their house. One of my uh, old neighbors was like a legit one percenter, one of the big three clubs and uh, was actually a friend of mine's neighbor. But he would turn onto the street and shut his bike down and coast a block. Yeah. So this dude was like a legit badass or whatever you want to yeah. consider it. We'll like, say badass. Yeah. And we can uh, say that on the show. Yeah. And he shut his bike down to be nice to his neighbors. Yeah. So all you want to be tough guys, <laughs> dude, listen. Yeah. Like, if there's like a dude like that shutting his bike down. Yeah. Dude, you don't shit where you eat, man. Come yeah. on. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm all about like, don't be a hypocrite either, but you know, and everyone deserves to have a little fun, but don't be a dick to your neighbors. Like, yeah, I know. I'm glad my bike is pretty quiet and People still hear. I mean, it's, people still complain about like that little thing, and, and it's people like, love to complain. Don't get me wrong, oh, but I try not to it. be a nuisance. People don't love to complain or sue anybody. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> I don't remember how we got on e-bikes because oh, because this is, yeah. dude. You could have gone either way with that guy and got a good motor out of his right ear or his left ear. Uh, what I'm going with for my pick? God, why did I do this? <laughs> Uh, now we said, we said you couldn't do one off motors and they had to be production. And the only reason I rolled with this one is because this dude went from one off to production. It was kind of like the John Britton story, only not sexy or cool race bike. This dude, his name is Aniket Vardon. 
he, I want to say he's like from Cleveland or some shit like that. He's this like Indian kid that like decided he was going to sandwich two Royal Enfields, you know, the penultimate, uh, you know, Indian brand and, uh, make a V twin out of them. Cause they come in, they came in three fifties and five hundreds. First bike I ever wrecked on the street, by the way, a Royal Enfield, a bullet 500. Um, and then everyone after that too, (laughs) 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 have I wrecked every bike I've ridden? No. Um, but I like to say I do. Anyway, uh, yeah. So you're not helping us out to get this weekend bike. <laughs> I know. Why am I such a liar on this show? I've only <laughs> I race and ride pretty hard, and I've I rarely, luckily, rarely go down. Yeah, I mean, I've I've only gone down twice. So um, when I go down, it means I have to fix my bike, and that's the worst thing ever. When I go down, it means I'm getting a raise at work. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked this one because this this kid started out sandwiching two, I want to say 350 heads together, which doesn't quite bring out, it's a 700, I guess, that it, that turns into. And he went about, I mean, you can't really like do that on a block that's not made for it. However, if you see a Buell Blast, you'll see that they really did just take a... They just took the rear cylinder They just took the rear cylinder out. off and like blocked it right off and it works. The only thing um, that would have been more ghetto is if... They didn't change the casting and they just bolted a plate. I, I, that's what I was just going to say. Like, there's just like, you open it and you're like, that's your inspection cover. <laughs> Inspect the crank. Uh, he, he took the heads and he, t- he took basically like all the plumbing and everything and he engineered this bike, this big V twin off of a crappy little like 350. And, he ended up doing his life's dream and it took him years. This started in 2009. When I first saw this was probably 2010 or something like that. Cause I've been with this guy from the beginning right after he made the first one. And now they're available for production. Um, I think you can get a, I think you can get a 1000 cause you can take the 500 castings that he does, or you can take the three fifties and, uh, so you can get yourself either a 700 or a thousand. So did he just, did he have to make Dude, the bottom end in the crank? He did. And he made it out of, uh, from scratch, dude. There's uh, the knee slider. If you want to check it out, go to the knee slider.com and look up musket V twin. He literally, uh, cast these things after making the wood molds um sand casting them in the ground that's why it reminded me of britain like he took this crap to the backyard and like carved this is the wood uh carvings right here he he you know got a lathe and like got all sorts of crazy tooling and made these perfect wooden uh dyes or, or molds basically of the um of the of the pieces i mean it's it's super sand, cool sand cast like, them and then went into production from there how bad is, would it be to take like two crf 450 cylinders Oops. and heads and make a rad little 900 right twin? <laughs> right like what's a 450 make 55 60 horse and then usually when you get two together they help each other out and do a little bit better so yeah like that could be a super fun little ripper yeah, so he's taken like it's a cool idea, like yeah, and he did it in his backyard with with wood castings that he made. He did yeah. every single thing himself. He didn't have any help, and he sand cast them all, like you know, like they used to do back in the day, um, and all this crap. And now you can buy them. I think there's price kits for it that range from like twelve thousand turnkey, or if you just want to buy the kit and like bolt your own heads on and stuff, it's like as cheap as like six grand or something like nice. that. For like you know, it's a, it's still a Royal Enfield, but it's a custom. But people love Royal Enfields. It's air cooled. You can get 
cams and valves and springs and like so that stuff is there the pistons and cylinders like the real wear items and the real weak parts of low production motors i guess if you will is i mean it's a royal infield it's an indian motor but it's a production something that you can actually go get parts for yeah so i I really appreciate that about it like yeah, for sure. The heads. I mean, in India, they sell like a bajillion. This is like Harley of India. So, you know, if you yeah. count how many Harleys you see in the States, transfer that over to India, you can still get the heads and everything. And he did it the carbureted way so that he didn't have to like mess with the like new fuel mm-hmm. injection and stuff. But he did it interestingly. He did it like the XR750s where both the exhausts and the yeah, intakes come, come out of like a, the opposite way as most V-twins. You know, instead of having one carb yeah. in the center, he's got... The carbs coming off the back and the exhaust shooting at the front. So it's really interesting. I seen a video of him riding it. How old is this dude? I don't know, man. He was. Uh, and he's I, in the States or he's in India? No, this is in the States. I think he's in Ohio or something like that. Like okay. Cleveland area. Um, but he's from India? I think he's from India. So or or like, definitely like first gen, maybe. Uh, okay. So he like love American. Infields. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it says that um, it, he started this project in April of 2009. And, uh, yeah, here we go. Here's the prices. The crankcase, $59.90. Um, the complete uh, motor, like build-your-own 500, is uh, $12,750. And then a turnkey with Carrillo rods and roller big ends is $13,700. So, I mean, you're kind of going for like a punk rock built motor like you would if you are doing like a – a big, I don't know, for 13,000. I mean, you can buy a bike for that much. <laughs> you can buy a lot of bikes. For that you much. can buy a lot of bikes for that much, but it's like a one-off, like hot rod. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like getting an S for your Harley it's or something. Definitely super cool. Yeah. It looks old school too, because like I said, he used the carbureted and like oil cooled version rather than going to the new one that they just came out with like in 14 or 15, whatever it was with that they had to do to get Euro, compliant and stuff so yeah it's pretty interesting and it's cool i think it's cool that he took the you know he machined all those pieces out of wood first and made them exactly you know shit i couldn't do that even if i had the knowledge i don't think and then it looks like a 45 or 50 degree v yeah it's it's a a pretty tight pretty tight v yeah whatever i'm not sure what you know because no uh no Enfields have a V twin, so uh, and you know what they did actually last the year before last they were saying that they've been working on a on a bigger motor a seven fifty they've been working on a V twin and it might be based off of some of this guy's work um, but we have yet to see it they did come out with the Himalayan and that's about as far as they made it in all of their you know mumbo jumbo that they were talking about at the show maybe they'll have a little bit more to announce this year, but, um, but yeah, it's a pretty cool looking bike and I've seen them run and they sound pretty rad. They're just loud, bangy sounding, um, you know, just they're, they're crazy. They sound just like two crazy thumpers going at it because that's basically what a Royal Enfield is clacky and loud and, and clangy, but, uh, pretty cool. So yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting motor. I don't know though, man, this, this, this week's going to be tight. Um, to give you an idea, we've finally got some results back from the judges, and uh, the results have are coming in. It's not looking good for me, but at least I didn't go down, <laughs> in, in, you know, in a, in a one fail swoop. So round one, we know went to Chris. Uh, the CB750 uh, won out 
for that. Eliza uh, texted me back in like one second. CB750. Um, and then the Wingman's Garage, they talked about it. Uh, the Aerial Square 4 just went down in a blaze of glory, just like they probably do in real life if you don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> constantly maintain them. They probably catch on fire and, and die. The uh, the V4 versus the Rotary was a little bit different. That was super, super close with the Wingman's Garage splitting 3-2 actually for the rotary. So I had my my chance there. Liza came back saying, you know, V4. So then you got, you know, it's three to three. And Phil came in and said, all rotaries suck. So there went my chance for that week. But <laughs> booyah, wouldn't you know, this last week it uh it put me on top. So Chris went down. Finally, I took him out with the stinking. I had to go to a Honda race motor that was you know, mass produced for only like two years, but, um, a lot of people liked it because like, you know, the, the Freddie Spencer battles and, and the, the fact that Honda got back into, um, victory lane on that, uh, that motor. So they didn't like the, they, plus everyone says rotaries suck. So let's never pick rotaries again for these challenges. Well, they do suck. That's what makes them weird. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. It is the weird I, I motor challenge. We, not we, we were going for that. Motor I, I think Wingman's Garage split on that too. They were like, you know, the RE5, but then they were like, you know, we gave it to one rotary. We can't give it to two. When the I, I listened to the V4, to the VTEC is actually what I picked that one for. And yeah, one of the guys right. was like, look, like, yeah, the rotary's weird, but it's simple. And they were like, it's a V4 VTEC. And the one guy was like, wait a minute, it's a two valve and then four? Yeah, they, He's like, they no, did. That gets my vote. They had to, yeah, they so went like, into, they explained that pretty well too. So, yeah. yeah. So this week we got the Moto Sys C1 versus the uh, Musket V Twin. Man, it's going to be tough. Judges, have your way with us. And I'm just glad I'm not like wearing a dress or something at Twisted Throttles <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Uh, so, hey, everybody, that's our show. We're going to do some Instagram shout-outs, and uh, I think that should should be a wrap. Um, I'm going to let... Uh, I think you should go first. Oh, geez. Listen, this week, uh, I got I to gotta give a shout-out to another podcast. I made some connections with uh, Girl on a Moto. If you have a chance, go check out that podcast. It's another good one uh, coming out in the podcast space. She's got her first one up, and I listened today, and uh, really, really good. Um, my Instagram shout out of the week has got to go to motocross IG. Uh, this is quite, isn't random. I mean, obviously I had it loaded and, uh, I'm going to go with it, but dude, this is some of the funniest shit. Like if you can imagine watching Larry, the enticer all day, like sending it, like this is not him, but it's people doing crazy shit like that. And just literally it, it, some of it's rad shit and some of it's just crazy shit. And so you're just like, what the fuck did I just see? <laughs> but, uh, it's pretty rad stuff. So motocross IG, um, I think they have a YouTube channel and they got a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't, they probably got all the social medias, but it's a, it's a really good Instagram. It's a definite time burner. Don't, don't look at it, uh, while you're at work <laughs> for sure. You'll get fired. But, uh, yeah, so that's mine for this week. Chris? Yeah. So I'm going to go with ATC Daily. Oh, spelled out D-A-I-L-Y. D- Did I spell yep. that right? D-A-I-L-Y. Yep, D-A-I-L-Y. ATC underscore daily to be exact. So. Because these dudes post three-wheelers every day. <laughs> like like, like you an ATC thought, Daily? Like daily, like there's a rad ATC 70 with go-kart slicks. Oh my God. Yeah. See, you never thought that ATCs were cool. You thought 
if you had one, you thought, I'm glad I'm alive. Yeah. By the way, I grew up on my dad's 350X, and then because I survived on that one, he bought me a 250R, <laughs> and Dude, I survived on that one. Um, that's how I got around. When I first moved to California from Arkansas, my neighbor had a 110 with the balloon tires, and that's yeah. what was our motor transport. I want a dude. 70 pit bike, by the way. Oh. So if anyone in listener land has one, just I'll send take it, it to me. I don't have any cash. I'll I'm, take it and I'm crash it, poor. and then Chris will uh, take it around the track <laughs> and tell you how fast it is. Oh, yeah. Shifting it with my hand because they're so little you can't get your foot yeah. under it. But anyway, um, it's so much cool. Like new 450 motors in three wheelers, um, 250Rs, 350Xs, a lot of Honda stuff, but they're actually not full taco BS. Um, they're not actually like uh, they're not actually biased to Honda. Just Honda made more three wheelers than everyone else. Yeah, that's true. Um, hey, first three wheeler I almost did a backflip on Yamaha Tri Z. Like this one looks stroke. like it has a CR500 in it. Maybe it's just got a huge pipe. Like sand drags, hill climbs, just ATC 70s that are wicked. 70s are awesome. The 70s are awesome. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, check that out. If you don't like three wheelers, you will. And if you already like them, you'll like them more. Um, it'll make you want one, which is the worst thing ever. Yeah, because they're like illegal now. No, they're just, you know, they just take up more room than a bike. But they're not as, no, I'm not going to say they're not as gay as quads because a <laughs> quad guy will get mad, even though in a roundabout way I said that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to edit that part out and replay it over and over yeah, right. at the end here. Um, Chris, what's your sign off for tonight? They're not gay as gay as quads. Gay as quads. Gay as quads. Someone made a rad cartoon that was like a dude on a quad and a dude on a dirt bike and the dude on the quad is like we should go ride together sometime and the dude on the dirt bike's like nope <laughs> end of story <laughs> that was my story oh shit so what's your sign off is that your sign off um we all right i'll hey, go ride together listen a quad. oh the 70s are not rad the 70s are not rad no they're not <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> gotta take the good with the bad. Yeah, that's true. You gotta take the good Look at with the bad. Look at that passport with a nun on it. Yes, <laughs> I bet you don't hear that every day. <laughs> no, Larry has the coolest motorcycle TV show or TV channel. And yeah. that dude in the background crashed. Dude, next so. next next week, no no TV for us. No, that's his, that's like Instagram. Is, just, uh, that guy had no helmet on, face first into a pile I, of plywood. I think the name of this TV movie is "On Any Sunday After the Race and Party Where on Saturday oh and You're God. Hungover." I think this is called Lucky Wheels Garage. They all post little <laughs> funny videos like this might, shit. Might be. Holy shit. Oh, signing <laughs> off. Sure. <laughs> That's it. That's your sign off. All right, folks. Thanks for wasting another hour and a half or a little bit more with us this week. And uh, hope you had a good Halloween. Happy Spooky Spokes. And if we come back alive from Twisted Throttles, we'll tell you about it next week. Hopefully we see you there. Yeah. Be there or be square. passport with a nun on it. <laughs> <laughs>